Hey everyone, welcome to the GIST Podcast. If you're tired of being comfortable and want to take on living life from the context of 100% fuck yeah, join us each week as we share lessons we're experiencing in this crazy game called life. We invite you to play along and get your shit together. Take responsibility for how your life is currently going and at the same time, take on new, fun, and sometimes crazy shit. We promise to challenge your thinking by being vulnerable, authentic, and straight up with what we're dealing with, what doesn't work, and what can. Be warned, this is not your grandma's podcast. All right, good morning, beautiful people. Welcome to episode 45 of The Just Life. We were away for a little bit, but we're back. 46. Fuck. I even wrote it in in the notes here. Like I'm I'm at, setting up all the files. I'm like episode forty six. Yeah, cool. And then my intro says episode forty five, and, and there you go. And it's all good. I right. could have just keep track. Forty six. That's impressive. It is well, impressive. We've, we've yeah. and we've been having fun. Well, I'm, I'm going to say it. So we're episode forty six of the Just Life. I've been out of commission for for two weeks so we haven't been able to to do any recording whatsoever right and i fucking love my saturdays when i'm looking forward to this when i know this is happening it's been a missing it's interesting right yeah i'm excited to be here it feels like forever yeah then we have a uh, a guest a special guest he is a a fellow dreamer idealist and trailblazer in a in a past life mike was a sales guy for Big Telecom. During his adventure as a recruiter, he interviewed over 10,000 people. His big discovery, people become bored when they lack passion or a reason to get excited about something bigger than themselves. Mike's a guy who's known to double down when faced with the tough challenge, only to jump right back in, swinging at self-doubt, boredom, and uncertainty after a hard battle. Mike's a champion for those new to our country and has always found lifting up others around him. His active scratching of the creative itch has had Mike all over the world backpacking with his family, and he's now effectively managed to put summer in a bottle with his must-try vodka line, Summer Love. Please welcome Mike Stanfield, a good friend of ours and the founder of Star Distillery. Well, good morning, guys. Wow, that's quite a quite an intro. I heard you were getting stuff from my wife behind the scenes, so now now I know where some of this is coming from. It's something that uh, we're playing with. There. You know, way back when, people were formally introduced by all the things that they've achieved up until that point of time, right? Yeah. It was a, nobody does that anymore. It's a, hey, so what do you do? Like, it's just so, it's so there's lacking. No, there's no context for no. the background or where it's coming from. Interviewed 10,000 people. I'm fascinated by that. Interviewed 10,000 people. I would love you to interview me. The sometime. recruiting business is, is an amazing business. You You get insight into people that is almost counselor level like yeah. people really open up and, oh, and they're talking about you know their life and and work can be part of your life where you get a little bit of disconnect when you talk about like the what do you do question mm. what if it's not who you are then you get you get a, a guarantee you get about mm. a 10 second pause because they're not they're not sure what to what to say in, in a lot of those circumstances because if they don't align they're not really happy about what you do Right. You don't already, well, that doesn't you don't want that to represent what you do. Yeah, and to your point, I, I, I don't I'm not actually excited about what I do and I don't want to talk about it. And now I gotta feel like 
I, I got to show up like I care about what I do. I'm really interested to hear from you because I heard, I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were talking about some percentage of people who are not actually, that don't actually enjoy their job. And that humans in today's world, like we live in a really weird time, even compared to like a hundred years ago. And this guy was theorizing that humans are not actually meant to work all these jobs. There was a, that's what he was talking about. A guy who wrote this book called bullshit jobs. Mm. And he was talking about how most, a lot of jobs in our economy are actually made up. They're not even useful. They're not even a job that really moves things forward. And there's a lot of people doing these jobs and they kind of like hate it. And so they're, and then that apparently is like, a really bad thing for humans, you know, to go and do eight hours every day for something out of obligation as opposed to passion. And that was kind of in your intro. So I'm curious to know from you, like when you're interviewing people, was there a lot of people like faking it? Was there a lot of people that were actually excited about the job? Like what's your experience in that employment world and dealing with people? Good questions. Um, and, and big topic, by the way, like, like that's not a, you know, it's not, it's not a simple three sentence answer to that one, but how do I even jump at that one? I, I could tell you first off, it's a very high percentage of people that aren't in love with what they do every day. Right. That doesn't mean they hate it every day. Sure. I, I think they they're tolerating. I think they go on a range. You know, there's good days and bad days. Good days, bad right? days. Yeah. Parts of what they like, parts of what they hate. But I think the the, the main thing that this is this is my point of view after this experience. But um, first off, to go do any job from eight till five. And then think about it the rest of the day. If you work for a big corporation, you probably have a fairly narrow mandate. You're going to sell or, or you're working in the accounting department or the legal department or mm. you know whatever it is. It's a pretty narrow definition. Yeah. Um, and I, I find with, uh, okay, so that's it. So that's one. So narrow definition. Sure. And, and long, narrow definition. Like, oh, so how long? I've been doing this for 12 years. Right. So that's, that's a pretty narrow definition. Yeah. And you can build incredible expertise within within that silo. Right. About it, but I find there's a hunger that goes beyond that. And it, it kind of relates to two things. One is diversity of things to do. You know, like, uh, you know, on any given weekend, you might you might uh, have to deal with your, your car, your house, your kids, go off, play a hockey game, football game, whatever it is. You, you'll you get a variety of things, but work ends up being a little bit focused. The second thing, and I think it's a more important one that, that I've noticed over time, is just a lack of passion. It's a lack of enthusiasm. It's a lack of excitement. And the, the, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna call out Canada a little bit here. Like I mean, I've never worked professionally elsewhere, but I but we we produce a lot of goods, commodities, <laughs> and and oh, I, the, I heard it a different way. That's with a lot of goods, goods <laughs> like they ain't that good. <laughs> Get my other yeah, girl up. Okay. Anyways, I asked a lot. I, I don't know. You and I came from the other end of the country. I don't know if you get this from time to time. I get like, are you from Texas or Louisiana? Did Every you, once in a while. Get that? I, I get that. I sometimes when I tell people I'm yeah. from, I'll say we're from the Maritimes. They go, where's your accent? And I go like, what are you talking where's about? Yours? I get that too, but where's then yours? I'll they'll say hello. But then other times you're like, oh, Every where once are you in a while. From, you know, where, where are you from? The South. The South? No, from the Far East. <laughs> it's like, no, but it's fun to pretend that I am. I digress. Anyway, a lot of our companies, frankly, do boring things. And, and, and so then, 
Okay, I think in tangents a little bit, but... Hey, uh, man, okay. listen. So the first thing, in, you know, one of the things about the recruiting business, are really cool, so you go out and you meet with company ABC, and they, they want you to find somebody to work for their, somewhere in their organization, and I'm talking professional white-collar recruitment, people right. that well-educated, earn lots of money, very sophisticated roles, that type of thing. And you'll go out and meet with the, you know, the, the, the CEO, the president, the VP of whatever, and, you know, you sit down and, you, you know, it's a, it's a sales call effectively. So you have an open kind of question. So, well, tell me about working. Like, what, what is the, like, what is this company all about? What are you, what are you doing? Like, what, what, why do people really want to come work here? Mm-hmm. And they have no answer. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They have no answer. Well, we're a, we're a great company. We're customer service oriented. And their eyes go over to the mission statement on the wall. And we are all about <laughs> yeah. the people. We care about our people. And we care about the community. And they reel off the BS on, on the wall. But, it, you know, you ask, well, why do people, well, we pay a lot. We pay well. And good vacation we have a time. great benefits program. Good mm. benefits program. And it has got nothing to do with their very reason for existence. It's not the, uh, yeah. it's not whatever whatever they do, you know, whatever they're producing. It's the options selling. that they have to get away from that place. Yeah, it's, it's sort of, it's, it, it, it's sort <laughs> of. Um, and we have a lot of vacation time. And if you get sick, you can take some time off and it's, it's very pragmatic. It's, it's, <laughs> oh, you know, totally. It's very pragmatic because we, we're producing something. We, we make lots of money from it and, and we pay people well. Yeah, and and that kills people. Like you, you know the. I don't think anybody talks about Steve Jobs that way, or or you know you think of any of the the exciting companies that are out there, any of the, the you know the digital companies that have emerged in the last twenty years, or well, even Mike, if you look at yourself or you look at most entrepreneurs, they don't go. You know, I really hate vodka, but I'm pretty sure I can make a shitload of money, so I'm going to quit my job and go do that. Like entrepreneurs have. For generally speaking, in my experience, they have some kind of spirit, some kind of passion behind what they're doing. They don't just go, I heard you can make a lot of money in, in whatever marketing. I agree. Or, generally I, speaking, right? And I would say it's bigger than, you know, it's bigger than what you do. I, I think of a guy like uh, who, who provides a lot of leadership in Calgary, somebody like Jim Button at Village mm-hmm. Brewery. Yeah, yeah. And, and Jim is all about community. Like, like community comes before the beer. Like he is, he has created a beer, but it's, his mission is to build community, to build village, right? And he's been doing brewery. a really good job of it. It's incredible stuff. Now, beer happens to be the the thing around it that kind of lubricates fun and, and you know creates good times out at, uh, at events or out with your buddies or out at the circle or, or any of these other things that he's created. But it's it's bigger than that. And I found that, so to come sort of back to the recruiting piece, I found a lot of companies... For whatever reason, they've just become pragmatic. They don't have the vision, the excitement, the passion, the whatever they're in it for that's bigger than the, what they do mm-hmm. is is not there. And that sucks the souls of people. So, you know, the 10,000 people that I've met, good people, excellent, you know, parents and, and individual people that are on, on their journey. They're smart. They're well-educated. But they're... They're they're missing the they're missing some reason to get up and and go do whatever it is that that they do right the passion is not there and um, and then that happened for you too right totally and do yeah. actually doing that work there was a time where it just yeah. what am I doing here there yeah it, it was and um, I can tell you I, I remember that day true story okay. <laughs> absolutely true story love to hear it. Um, I mean, you know, with, with I did this for 15 years, so yeah, there's a little bit of natural 
you know, fading at, at any point in time of what you're doing and that type of thing. And recruiting during massive downturns is not that fun either. I bet. Um, but I remember like one of the companies that, uh, and I won't say who they are because I don't want to embarrass anybody, but we've done a lot of work for this organization over a couple of years. They do some really cool things, and and they uh, they, they sell products all over the earth. But and you know, we're, we're, about, we're they we're, care about their people, and they have good benefit. No, I'm just yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but no, that, that's what that's what really shook me. I, I found out one day somebody said, "Did you know that these guys like their their WCB premiums, which is your workers' compensation, which is basically yeah. you know it's an insurance on on your employees for danger issues and that type of thing." But it was uh, sky high because they had a couple people who had died in their in their plant at some point of a few years earlier. And this right. is while we were recruiting for them. And I had never heard that. And we're representing them. Right. So That's... we're bringing people to them with a representation of what we believe to be about their company. Right. And and believe me, recruiting, you have to be excited about the, or the opportunity. Yeah, or who they or are, what they're just, up to. You just can't translate that to other people. Mm-hmm. And I found that out. And it... You know, I, I, I forget where my life was at that point in time to just stop me in my tracks. I was like, I can't do that. Like, I I can't go and recruit for them again now that I know that. Like, I'm not sending people out to a place where due to, and, and I mean, accidents happen. But from what I understand, this was some really poor practices they had in place mm-hmm. that led to a couple guys in their shop dying. Wow. And I'm like, well, That's... that really stopped me. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. I can't. Do that like for forget it. And, and and so I remember that day and and kind of remember ah, like feeling queasy a little bit, just like I am now. Like I just hmm. queasy about it. Right. And so I remember that was kind of you know I, I can't remember, I don't know if that was the start of the downturn, but I remember thinking God like uh, you know I just I remember that vividly and and you know I, I started losing interest in, in things after that. Made a couple of changes what I was doing in that organization, but net net. You know the 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 I think the volume of people coming you after a while, and it's guys, it's almost the same conversation every one of those ten thousand times. Sure. I mean, yeah, you kind of have that initial when you were asking like, do people lie or are they full of bravado? People come in all stripes and flavors, right? But that lasts two minutes. After two minutes, I, I find with me, people were pretty open and honest. Right. And, and it, it kind of boils down to, hey, I'm pretty good at what I do, but I've sort of lost my mojo, man. Like and. And what they want is mojo. Yeah. You turned into a bit of a counselor. Coach. It's a total a counseling job, is, is yeah. what it is. And I I love that aspect of it. I really do. I, I love listening to people and, and hearing the genuine truth out of them. So you don't get a yeah. lot of that, right? Mm. Like you don't get a lot of that if you're out for beers or if you're out at a you know watching your kids' hockey game or something like that. But in this in, in this in this setting that I'm describing, people were pretty honest. I'm sure there was the odd person who wasn't. I think. I think. I just have to say that I think that has a lot to do with the person on the other side of the table. It has a lot to do with you. I think that that you uh, omit something that makes people feel safe. There's always that initial like, so. awkwardness, you know, where yeah. you sit down. Who's this guy? Yada yada yada. Yeah, you exchange test the, test the boundaries. Yeah, you, you exchange know, pleasantries, sure. and then you quickly realize, like not consciously, but they quickly realize there's something about your energy where they go, "Oh, this is safe," yeah. and they go, "You know what, man? Like." Here's the deal, <laughs> and they give you the real goods, and you go, oh. Okay. But I suspect hundred percent, Vern. I suspect you actually weren't able to help them in the way that you wanted to help them, and that right. was part of the burnout. Is like it, it, there, yeah. there wasn't really you a solution. Yep. Different things, different percentage of the time, but almost 
a funny thing. Careers are funny things. Almost inevitably what somebody gets is the same thing in another company. Right. Okay, so I'm going to extract you out of wherever you are because you're not happy happy there, but you're talented. You're good at what you do. you're, You're a nice human being. You know, your salary expectations are sensible, your et cetera, et cetera, whatever all the criteria that I'm going through in my mind. So you place them, you know, maybe they're they're fortunate. You find them another role somewhere else, another organization. They're probably doing a role that is darn similar to what they used to do because that's what experience. That's what the company some small hiring changes. Is, yeah, that's what the company hiring us to recruit wants somebody yeah, yeah, with this totally. skill level. So mm-hmm. you find the skill level. Then you talk to this person a year le- a year later. Kind of, yeah, kind of same thing, different mm, pile. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like. So you're not actually providing a very effective solution. No, because we're really what you're, what they want is the passion, right? I mean, you get the short-term caffeine effect. Yeah, new place, new new, new people, new right. colleagues, new. In the dating world, know. they call that NRE. What's that? That's new relationship energy. Yeah, right. Right? You feel like, oh my God, this is great and interesting. and But then you get to know, okay, yeah, every Tuesday, Sally brings tuna. <sighs> All right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? That, like, and that's the person like, in the office everybody makes fun of. Yeah, and, and that's this, yeah. That's the person right? you can go to if you need something done. For, that's like, uh, I, I never thought about that, but to, totally. Uh, the parallel is, is, is tight. Um, and you talk to those people and... and Again, exceptions in all cases, but it didn't. It didn't really. You know, you weren't. You weren't making that change that you were hoping to make. Yeah, right. right. They didn't make the change they were hoping to make. I did not facilitate the change they were hoping to make. There was something missing for you in that whole interaction. And what's awesome and what's missing a lot of times for for a lot of people is like knowing that there is a choice they're able to make to completely change direction to to actually be okay with. This was this for this time, and and there's actually something else that that would be far more fitting for me right now, far more exciting for me right now that I'd be that it's okay for me to explore. Most people don't have that as a as an option in their mind. They're like in, they're vested. I've done this thing. I've invested the time, the educate, whatever the story is, and you decided to just. Literally jump out of the plane. U-turn. Yeah, you just like I'm out, and I'm and, and and you changed like and not just small changes, drastic change. Changing, right? Love it's that. a constant. Still at it. Absolutely. Still at it. Not with no top. Yeah, I uh, I'm counting my blessings. Um, very fortunate, and anybody listening to your podcast could relate to this. My my wife works full time. Right. And. Mm-hmm. Pays our bills, and and there's uh, I, I, God bless her. I love you dearly, darling. If you're listening, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know that's that's big shoulders to take that on. That is not easy. We we overnight cut our income in half. There there were and why, pros and cons that why come was with that, that. So easy, I, you know. Easy is is context is, is decisive here clearly, but it was a, a literal pull of the pen, and it happened pretty quickly. And there to have to. A relationship like husband and wife have it happen so easily and so and and just clear like she was clear that that was what you needed and there was no no thinking around or, or concerns for it was like this has to be done actually i married a special girl i'm, I'm yeah. lucky you know what I, I i get asked that a lot friends 
people that don't know, like the, the, the full spectrum. But, uh, you, you know, your, your most important relationship in your life is obviously who you marry, right? Or, or who your partner is or mm-hmm. whatever your circumstances are. It's the person you spend all your time with. Um, I, I know lots of couples where that change would never have happened. Mm-hmm. They don't enjoy that flexibility or, or that wouldn't have been okay or whatever it is. But uh, uh, Lee and I are very, very similar and, and have similar backgrounds. But, um, uh, you know, we both come from, from families that have owned businesses for a number of generations. And this this was, honestly, this was like, it was a snap of the fingers. Yeah. Right? It's magic. No, no, no hesitation. Yeah. From either of us, actually, I, I dawdled. To, to be fair, I, I dawdled about this for a long time, and she just one day said, "Like, shit, or get off the pot, buddy." Like, you yeah, know, totally. I, I, I support you doing it. So, full, you know, full stop. There, we're talking about getting into just, summer love. Just yeah. like doing it, your own le- leaving yeah, my day job, if you will, and, yeah. and heading off to do something new. So she was one hundred percent supportive from right from the get go with with no hesitation and that's huge. Like that that is huge yeah. to have that green light mm. put yeah. in front of you because anything's possible then. You know, yellow light, I, I'm the type of, of, of guy that wouldn't do it. Like I I, I, I would not and, and a lot of the people though Vern, those ten thousand people mm-hmm. it's not that they don't want to do this, but no. if, but if you're in a circumstance where the green light is not on from your partner, yeah. You, if you do it, God, God help you. Like you do right. some, you know. You guys both have wives. You do something against your wife. Good luck. Yeah. Then you're, you're dead. So, <laughs> so I'm in a very lucky circumstance that that was not a question. And and uh, way we went, mm. way I went. Mm. Yeah, dude, man, that is deep. That I've is, got a lot. It. I've got a lot there because I heard I was sitting with a guy a couple weeks ago. And um, I'm trying to think of the top three things that he said are problems in businesses right now. But a lot of times business owners will think about, I think it was something along the line with like, let's say revenue and expenses, right? Like, oh, I need, get, I need to get more revenue. I sure. have all these expenses, right? But he goes, the number one problem that most business owners, people are not aware of is the psychology. It's a psychological problem. And so if you think about it for a second, I mean, there's a lot of people out there right now living the nine to five job or they're in a trade or they're being sitting in front of a recruiter or whatever, and they're going to work every day out of obligation or whatever. I don't want to make waves. I'm too afraid to do that thing or my wife would never let me do it. But now they're living an entire life for other people and, and, and not being fulfilled and never going after the thing, whether it works out or, or, or whatever, it doesn't matter that part, but they're not getting that juice out of life that they're looking for. So fortunately for me, I'm in a similar situation to you and, and David, we have, we're lucky here, it, but it, it does definitely take two. It right? takes two people. It's a back and Absolutely. forth thing, no question. but, but I'm, I'm, I'm grateful and blessed that I'm not in that position, but I mean, I don't know if you have anything to say, but what would you say to somebody like that? Like, no, I've got this thing I want to do. I'm miserable over here, and nobody supports me. Like everyone's like, no. Well, it's a tough conversation on the table that's got to be had, right? Because uh, the, the the people that you know, life is mental, right? Uh, you know, you talked about revenues and, and, and expenses earlier life when it re- relates to uh, relates to a, a company. And, and you said the psychology is it well same you know same in your personal life right I mean yeah. how, you know how you feel when you get out of bed every day yes you do you, you know or how you, you feel when you yep. hang up your phone from your partner right you're 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 either 
you know, you, you know the conversation you, you're having inside your head yeah, at that point in time. So if it's not the right conversation, you gotta find a gotta find a way. And I'm, uh, you know, and and uh, yeah, there's a lot of obligation out there. There's a lot, right, of, you right. know. But everybody's got mortgages, and you know, there's some realities to life. I get all that, but shit, find a way to freaking be happy on this planet, right? And right. And, and I don't mean giddiness. I, I mean feel good about what you're doing, like whether it's. Well, be in pursuit of something. Whether it's back to the gym, whether it's you know building a you know, building a new software, like what, whatever your whatever your jam is, you got to do it. Right. Uh, right. Start a hobby. But, but there's like go to the gym. There right. is like a a a scary high percentage of people not doing that. Like this is my experience. Okay. Yeah. So I've got, I've got ten years of construction background. Yeah. Okay. So when I was in construction, it was like. And unfortunately for me, I recognized it, so I pulled myself out of it. But the mentality, and you mentioned your 20s, right? I started in construction when I was 20 years old. Yeah. Highly impressionable, right? So I'm I'm hanging out with these guys who are at least twice my age and more. And guys in their 20s mm-hmm. and all that. And all those guys are struggling now to fit in the jungle. Where do find they spot. find, you yeah. know? So we're always trying to sort of prop up against each other without going to blows, trying to be the guy, trying to be the next foreman, trying to get your raise, right? So, and you're looking at the old guys and you're learning from them and you hear from them, fuck this, fuck that, everything's miserable, blah, 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 12 more years of this bullshit and I'm out of here. Like literally, day in and day out, that's the attitude. At 3.30, not a minute later, we pack up and we're over to the pub so that we can get a bit numb so that we can fall asleep and we can get up and do it again five days a week so we can look forward to Friday because that's payday. Then I can start feeding the machine. Like, do you see what I'm saying? Like, that's life and the reality for so many people. And that is really saddening to me. Those people don't have hobbies. Those people, generally speaking, in my experience, right, the guys I hung out with, a lot of job sites, a lot of crews, a lot of different people. They got a lot of vices, for sure. Yeah, they don't have fulfilling relationships. Some of them have lost their kids. Some of them, you know, like, life is kind of chaotic, and they're literally just trying to get through it, as opposed to creating something or, or just having some something to look forward to, other than a bottle of beer. Well, Confucius says, know thyself, right? So, you know, if... if if it's something you're not thinking about, you're probably not going to change, right? But if you start thinking about it, if you start asking questions, if awareness. you start inquiring, if there's awareness, if there's some, you know, if there's a rock in your shoe and, and you got to ah, gotta change something here, mm-hmm. you, you can't, you know, people aren't going to change if they don't want to change or if they're, or if they're delighted well, with well, what they're, they're doing. Well, they're not even aware that change is a thing. Yeah. yeah. So I'm curious, like, and, and I'm, I'm kind of, I'm assuming that I'm good to, to keep rambling here because David's trying to rest his raspy throat. But mm-hmm. <laughs> like, have you all, you seem to be a really introspective guy. So like, you've got that perspective of like, Oh shit, here's a thing about my life that I actually don't like. And I'm the source of that. So maybe I can do something about it. Most people don't have that perspective. So is there, was there something, have you always been that way? Or is there, was there something in your life maybe during your recruiting career that sort of clicked? You know what? I, I, that's, that's a, Fern's full of the good questions. We here open this the morning. mark here. So, so uh, do you I know what? I would say that that I have always had a, a um, I'm I'm very internal visual, right? And I think I've always I always knew that I wanted to do something different. 
but I'm not sure I knew what it was or and you how, didn't ignore it or how to make the, you know, how to make that change. Right. Um, making money is easy. Like you just go out and you're kind of in that track and you, you keep going and, and much as you describe the, you know, your, your construction days, there's kind of a path that you follow, right? Like whatever path you fall into the, you know, the marble rolls forward, you, you, you mature, you grow skills, you, get better at whatever you do and you kind of, you know, there's different channels, whether it's construction or, or recruiting or teaching or whatever, you, you follow them. Mm-hmm. And I think in your 20s, you don't think a whole lot about that stuff, right? Like it's always just exciting to have some money in your pocket and <laughs> be able to afford a car or go on a vacation or buy a big screen TV, whatever, whatever it might be. Right. And so I don't think I was different than anybody else, but I always had kind of this itch that, like, <sighs> you know, this creativity in me that wanted to do more. Um, and, and it just took a long time to find the right courage and channel to go for it, I guess. I mean, I started, the, I, you know, I, I quit my job. So I used to have this thing internally in my mind, and my 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 wife is the only other person that would know about this, but I, I secretly referred to it as Project 44. <laughs> and Project awesome. 44 was, by the time I'm 44 years old, I have to be on to that new thing. And and why the forty four or whatever? There was no real reason for that. I guess it's a good number. I guess I just arbitrarily my football number in high school was forty four. Maybe that was it. But there you go. I I don't know where arbitrarily that date, but that but July first, two thousand fourteen. I was forty four. I said F sharp. I'm done. And that was the day. Wow. And um, and that was the the. it's because the 44 it wasn't because i had a new idea i didn't i like star distilling was not in, in existence that was you know, you know what's interesting the the there's there's context for everything right some some somebody says you know what this could mean this this is what i think it means sure. so the meaning of number 44 in numerology is this is interesting so it's business related and, and it's related to building something to benefit many generations wow that's so incredible. just, just let, sit with that for a little bit because your project 44 could very well have been because that's what you were looking for or what was missing as a matter of fact. Mythology is interesting. I think yeah. four in Chinese is very bad. I think eight, like double eight in, in, in Asian culture is very good. I think four is bad. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'll, I, go I with your, I'll go with your definition. Eight, but it's double four, right? Double four. So yeah. there's when there's yes. multiples, there's always something else. Right. And what else is kind of interesting about that, Mike, is that uh, when you first came in, you and I were talking about the age stats from yeah. 50 years ago or yeah, whatever yeah. in comparison to now. 44, based on today's stats, it's a little bit more, but it's almost the statistical halfway point yeah, of a man's life. Totally. Right? Which is mm. kind of interesting. Yeah, there was a yeah. convergence there. That, yeah. that was You couldn't deny it, man. It was coming for you. <laughs> what also is interesting it's about that. It's coming for me. And it's I'm coming for you. It's coming for you. <laughs> Time waits Scientology for no- coming on. <laughs> yeah, put your hands on these metal rods. <laughs> Time waits for no man. Uh, David, I'm looking at you here because I'm thinking about uh, commitment. And I know you as as a really committed person when you put your mind to something. So what I hear from Mike here kind of blows me away. Like, I don't know when you created that date, but the fact that you were like, okay, here it is, July 1st, we're done. Like, that is, like, really committed. So that, that takes something for you to go, oh, shit, tomorrow's July 1st. You, you have to be, at your core, you need to love adventure and the unknown and the, the willingness to embrace the uncertainty 
of like taking the next step into the darkness. Well, let's come come back a, a couple minutes. You need two people to be that, right? Yeah, one of them ain't gonna cut it, right? Right. Uh, you you need two people to be like that, and I'm I'm very blessed again that that it's so my, true. my wife is more comfortable with you're, the you're uncertainty. If you're married, you mean? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. In in my circumstance. No, I thought you were talking back to uh, philosophical. Like no. I thought you were talking about you know the man in the mirror kind of conversation. I really think that. Uh, you know, anybody who, who chooses to go against the grain of their relationship is, is probably signaling the end of that relationship in, in some ways or, or some trust that's going to be eroded or, or some tough times ahead. But in, right. but in my particular case, Lee and I were both green light on, on, on this. That's and so that, that made a big difference because if she wasn't, quite frankly, I'd still be recruiting. Right. I'd be grumpy. I'd come home at the end of the day and be tired out. Uh, and I probably wouldn't sleep well at night, and, and I'd, I'd be grossing and bitching about everything else in the world and not realizing that that's in my head. Not re- You know, I would love to hear your wife's perspective, just in the sense that, like, she, she, you know, my guess, the story I'm creating is she was like, you know what, I love this person, I care about this person, and I would way rather not have a pissed a pot or a pot to piss in with my wife. I would rather and be in love with her and have a fulfilling relationship and like she's my person right but we took this adventure and it was like an experience and it was fun and we pursued something and maybe it didn't work out but that's a hell of a lot better than me lugging a bucket of tools around for the next 30 years and hating my life and and that's well, and the ripple effect that that happens right. inside the relationship right and that's the price that she was willing to pay when i switched businesses she was like well okay this might not work out and who knows what's going to happen and whatever, but I know that you're miserable right now, and I love you, and I don't want to see you bring this home every day. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's totally it, right? That's, right. Uh, that that that's it. It's a we're we're in lockstep. I think all three of us are in lockstep on, on that. And and I was I was uh, I was grossing from the time I got up in the morning. I'd be yeah, you know bitching about stuff through the day. Uh, you know those short conversations. Oh, again, you know, can, uh, yeah, shit, okay, whatever. You know that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. I've got uh, two little girls. Uh, they're a little older now, but uh, like they were, you know, when I was forty-four. Could do some math here, David. Though you're our numbers you said 49, guy, but, right? That was yeah, years. forty-nine today. But they they must have been like you know four and eight at the time or something oh, like so that. So let me just so clarify something. I'm not a numbers guy. Okay, I just happen sure. to have a computer. They're ten and thirteen today. So then they would have been whatever four and eight, yeah. four and seven, and I I I was totally open i was i was grumpy at the end of the day i come home and i'd be i i was i was crap to be around and wow you know and uh that's no fun right that's not the purpose of life the purpose of life is not to build up a a bank account or pay off your mortgage or you know this magical retirement thing that's out at the the end of the road (coughs) whatever it was (laughs) Well, Not that those things aren't important. Those well, things are. No, I just don't. I don't believe in retirement. Well, I, I think it's yeah. bullshit. Let's let's not go down that. Well, we're not go right down right that now. road. All, all I mean is 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 that the, the purpose is not to just plow along in misery for for yeah, like yeah. twenty years to get somewhere to someday. get somewhere where you might not even get there. <laughs> you, you know, well said. The history of men in my family is they die around sixty. Um, you know, and you have it that that's not your life. 
My grandfather had his first heart attack at 48 and Holy died crap. at died That at was 50, last year, died, man. Died at 58. Yeah, it was. Hmm. Um, so make your choices, right? Like yes. you, you, you grind on in misery or do you say F sharp, hang a left? Well, so that's you, what we did. And you made some choices. You, you ended up traveling the country, uh, the world. You even backpacked with your family. What what allowed that? Like that is those are big things. People are like, oh, I would love to do that, but it never yeah. rarely gets done. Those are the things that people look at and be like, oh, must be nice. Yeah. But they don't realize that you obviously risked something. Like, yeah. all right. So Lee and I learned a really good lesson when when we were younger, early thirties. So we were, we were living in Vancouver at the time, doing really well professionally, making loads of money. We had no kids back then, so it's, you know you have no idea how much money you have before you have kids. Oh, fuck. Right? Lots of nice dinners out and, and uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I've always been a, a, a healthy dose of dreamer in me. That is not a problem. Um, definitely not a problem. So we decided we're going to leave our jobs and backpack around the world. And I would have been maybe 33 or 4 at the time, and Lee is a, a year or two younger than I am. And so we saved up some money and kind of put our plans together, got all of our vaccinations and shots that you're supposed to get to go to these boonie places and not get Japanese encephalitis and stuff like that. And we uh, kind of plotted out. We said, okay, let's, you know, let's, let's leave a year. Like from whatever we decide, we said, okay, let's, let's leave a year from today. Let's get our shit together, save some money. You know, find a place to store couches and chairs and suits and right. get rid of our cell phone plan. And those were easy plans back then. And <laughs> sold our cars and all that kind of stuff. Wow. wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Like, uh, we, uh, we bought a round the world ticket on Air Canada and it was about 1300 bucks. What? Which sounds pretty cheap right today. So <laughs> five stops. You had to go either east or west. Maximum you could fly was like 57,000 miles. Uh, and you plot out, you basically put those five dots on the map, and you say, okay, right. that's what we're going to do. And that's a, that's all we did. And you and you have a certain amount of time you can stay in each place based on the ticket, or how does that part you kinda, work? You kind of you kind of book all five segments, right. but they within, you know, I mean, they're airlines, so they're impossible to work with, but right. to some degree, there's some flexibility in there. But we pretty much stuck to the, stuck to the plan. And uh, so I think we flew from Van, Vancouver to Shanghai, and then... Bangkok, Johannesburg, London. Maybe we only did four. So, oh, in Ireland. That was a, a pretty short, wow. short one. But, uh, so we did that anyway. We backpacked for a year, right? So off, off we went. It was, uh, it was incredible. Uh, absolutely in- incredible. Like, like if, if anybody's listening to this, like, just go do it. Like, a best experience just of my life. Just go do it. If I could do it twice, I'd go do it again. We will do it again. We talk about it all the time. But... To your point, everybody would say, "Well, you're so lucky. <laughs> you know, you're you're going off to yeah, do this. You're so, so lucky. lucky I wish that. I could do that." And like, well, what's nice. stopping you? Just like, go do it. And it's it's back to the psychology. They just yes. they wouldn't do it, or they well, there's just a- just thinking about what it took for you to do all of that to completely mm-hmm. uproot yourself. We we are uh, creatures of habit, and we like our comfort zones and our in our familiar places so to completely uproot that cars couches suits like everything's gone people are like i'm out 
Like, they don't even give it a chance. Hell, I watch Survivor. <laughs> or whatever. I'm not doing yeah, that. Yeah, well, I, I, I never grilled anybody on it, but <laughs> yeah, uh, sure. the, the fact is is that almost everybody we knew said, wow, you're so lucky. I would like to do that. And, and we would never say anything to them privately. We'd be like, well, let's, let's stop them. Mm, if they wanted to right. do it, they could go do it. Yeah. And, you know, granted, everybody's circumstances are a little bit different. If, you, if you're already into to kids and family, that's, that's a little different. It's a bit more yeah. of a challenge. Yeah. But, but for the most part, the people we were around were kind of in the same life space and, and, and um, you know, details that we could have. And they could have, but they, they didn't. I think I think what's key for me out of all this, like listening to that part of it is, yeah, we're creatures of habit and you don't know what's going to happen if you buy that ticket and and all that shit. And there's cognitive dissonance there. People are like, oh, my God, that's so weird. What happens when I get back? There's all these considerations that start showing up. And, And even though all of that is true, you can still consciously choose to go against the grain and sell all your shit and go on a trip. Best thing ever. Best thing ever. It was incredible. So cool. Oh, absolutely incredible. Go do it. So, you know, you often hear with elder people or whatever, like, you know, I, life's regrets. Those, right, those kind the of bucket things, list right? they or, wish or, they or, did. Or they talk about later in life, I wish I had taken more risks, wish I had done this, wish I had done that. Well, yeah. we don't work that way. <laughs> yeah, so we're, you know. You uh, actually do the things that you We have do. done a few things like that, yeah. And, so cool. and we don't have a whole lot of fear of being able to land on our feet and go. Um, but the thing is, is like sir, some things could have happened. And, and if we, we're definitely going to have you back because I, I want to, before we go, there's no way I can't, you know, you have to get into summer love a bit. We'll talk about that. Yeah, yeah. We got to talk um, about that. Uh, that, that whole thing. I'm sure because you talked about obviously there's a big shift in one income and all that kind of stuff. But um, uh, on a future podcast, I'd love to hear some of the roadblocks or maybe some of the horror stories in your travels. Maybe you don't have any, but uh, people are going to run into that stuff. And that's probably one of the fears that holds them back. I I would wager that there were some things that you had to deal with in this new adventure that you're like, what the fuck? We got to deal with this thing now? (laughs) It's like no big deal. This is not what I asked for. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Of of course. I mean, it's... uh, I, I think the same would be true of any business, though there are specific sure. ones to, to, you know, they're very similar between the distilling and the brewing types of guys. And there's, yeah, almost everybody's got the similar horror stories uh, to, to mine. In fact, lots of them are, are worse. But uh, yeah, there, there's dealing with the unknown. Um, you guys are both entrepreneurs. That, that's really, at the end of the day, what that is, is dealing with unknown things that come up and you've got to sort them out. And, but it gives you, you know, it gives you problem-solving muscles, right? right? That all of a sudden you're not in fear of new shit coming at you because you, you'll, you'll work it out. You'll find a way around it. Uh, you take on the rare, There's rarely a problem that's the first time it's happened ever. Like, that doesn't happen, right? Yeah. So you, you took on something that you had a curiosity for, um, had no idea about, really, and said, well, fuck it. I'm pretty sure I could do this. So tell, tell us about the inception of Star Distillery. Okay. Uh, yeah, and it's awesome. So I used to, I guess out of sanity, I had a hobby. And my, my hobby was making booze in the basement. And I'm not <laughs> making booze like from a still, but basically infusion. So taking the store-bought vodka, mason jars, fruit, putting them together, letting them sit for months to see if we get the genuine flavor. And the real 
drive behind this is is I love the real flavor of what Canadian summer produces for fruit. Mm. You know, my my parents had a VW growing up, and we'd go on berry picking trips and apple picking trips and all that kind of thing. Annapolis Valley, if you've yes. ever been down there, yes, you would have played Acadia down there or something <laughs> like that in your day. Um, but uh, you know, the, these were the formative experiences of my youth, and I loved it. And it drives me bananas as throughout my adult life to have stuff with artificial flavors or mm. you know pick up something and say oh this is going to have an incredible taste of blueberry or something and it's got none. It came from a pump or something. Oh yeah, and it's totally. And and I remember having a, a craft beer from Prince Edward Island and I was so excited because it was a blueberry beer and I cracked it open, poured it in a cup. Well, it. It may have chemically had a blueberry in there somewhere, but I couldn't taste any of it, and it was so disappointing. So these kind of experiences had led me to, to, you know, messing around with mason jars and fruit and that kind of stuff. And, you know, we'd bust this out when we had friends over for parties, and you could imagine what the end of the, you know, everybody's drunk and going home in cabs or whatever, but you get some pretty (laughs) realistic feedback. Yeah, yeah. And people love this, this stuff. They don't love it all. Like, some of it was crap, and some of it... You know, you might not identify what the what the fruit was. Believe it or not, you might not know what it is. But some of them were really exceptional, and and you just kind of know in your heart when when you've created an experience that is not typical, you know, is not existing elsewhere. Right? People are you can see it on their face. You're like, oh, this is incredible. So it feels like every time I open up a bottle of summer love. There you go. <laughs> so you ah, get so excited here and knocked over my microphone, but. <laughs> Okay, I, I have strong intuition towards other people, which is, I think, why I was in the recruiting business. But, like, you watch people have this experience, and you're like, there's something here. There's something here. So they yeah. would tease us and say, you know, you should sell this. You should do this. You should do that. We never had it. It was not the intention. This was this was just sort of like you know, making jam or whatever. I think it was fun to do at home. Right. A funner version but, of jam. But keep in mind, the parallel was this is, this is kind of happening the same time that I've got Project 44 burning in the back of my mind. Right, and so I'm when, not that when, smart. So when the two you, of them never really connected. connected. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious! When did you when did you create Project Forty Four? Like approximate age? Uh, I think I, I would have been in my late thirties, but I don't. Vern, I don't remember. Like I can't say it was. I was thirty eight. I was thirty nine. But I right. can tell you, I, I recruited in Vancouver for three years, and during those three years was nine eleven. And the first dot-com crash. Right. And I was pretty good at recruiting. I was doing all right with it, making money, had a lot of freedom and flexibility. It was, you know, I worked for myself at an incorporated company. And so I had the up and down of that. And it was at the end of those three years that Lee and I left to travel around the world. And I remember on that travel around the world, it's like, even back then, I was like, there's going to be something new. I, I know it. Uh, you know, I'm going to come up with a, the lightning bolts coming any day. I'm going to know what it is. And you get back from that, and it's just so easy to go back into routine. So I go back into recruiting. I need some money because we've spent all our money traveling. All that momentum gets lost. Yes, yeah, so you go back into recruiting. It's, it's easy. You're good at it. You know what you're doing. Lots of people call and say, hey, we come do this, come do that. So, so the lightning bolt that was supposed to happen then never really happened. We had all kinds of fun ideas. We were going to open a hotel. We were going to run a chain of hostels, like a lot of... A lot of uh, traveling, tourism-related stuff. You must have got so many ideas when you were traveling. Huge, like just... but 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 didn't honestly, I guess at the time didn't have the courage or the know-how or or the balls to do that. 
Right. It was just so easy to go back and and, and into the recruiting world. Um, so, just like the natural progression. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like think back to what you were describing about construction, like go oh, foreman, you know, yeah. totally. whatever. So same thing. That was the the marble was rolling in that direction. And honestly, the fact that we disappeared for a year almost made no difference. Like it just fell right back into what you knew. Oh, we were so predictable. Wow. But the itch was there. So Project 44 became a thing, you know, you, a couple years later. And also, you know what? I, I, I don't think I made one ounce of progression from the time I decide, put the Project 44 in place and the day I quit. There wasn't an ounce of progression in there. Not, a, not an effing ounce. Like, it's like really. a mini vacation. Yeah. Even, even though the hobby was alive and well, I think the, the <laughs> It's going to take some you know, time. The, the connection was never there. And, I, I, you know, okay, so part of it was always, how do I leave this and make enough money right away to, to maintain our same lifestyle? Like, how, you know, I, I need to make, I, I've always, I, I, I've got a short circuit somewhere in my brain that need to earn money, need to earn money, need to earn money. And maybe that's just being a man. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, that's a little caveman-like. We're not allowed to kill things anymore. I guess so. So that, that was always our hurdle for me. It's what can I do like on Monday? Was that, this that, literally at Project 44 time where you didn't even know what you were going to do, but you're no. like, I'm done with my job? I was 44. I was 44. It was July the 1st. We had taken our kids to Disneyland that spring. I always get this wrong. Whatever the California version of Disney is, we'd been there. Yeah, right. We rented a convertible and we were up and down the coast with the kids on beaches and stuff like that. It was incredible. That's awesome, dude. And I was totally stressed out. And, and that's yeah, I was act- totally stressed that, out. That's actually where, where, yeah, like you're doing that. You're not supposed to be <laughs> stressed incredible. out. I was stressed to the max. I, yeah. I was still hating my work even totally. And you, you were thinking about all that shit. And so Lee's like, um, quit. Like, honestly, that's, that's what it was. And... And so it took me a month or two to have the courage to actually go in and, and, and do it. Uh, but but the, I, I remember the idea that. was born there. And so the day I quit, no, like star distilling was not even a thing in my brain. Like wow. It didn't exist. That's incredible, man. And so what it was, actually, I said, all right, I'm going to take the summer off. We rented a cottage out in BC on the lake. And we're going to be like, oh, come September 1st, Fern, I'm going to have so many ideas. I'm going to be popping. <laughs> and predictably, September the 1st came. I didn't have one idea. An empty notebook. Yeah, empty, <laughs> no, empty notebook, but great summer. And uh, and there kind of began a lot of noodling on, on what this is going to look like. And um, we met relatively like within that time frame, no? Yes, in the next couple of months, you and yeah. you and I met on our, our common Vancouver connections. Yes, no and way. Um, oh, cool. I went to so it came together relatively relatively quickly after that. I uh, I ended up going down to a distilling one hundred and one course in Seattle for a couple of weeks that that fall. Okay, uh, which was sort of like a dangerous, basically like it's like your university one hundred and one course. It's just like, well, you know, you're just dangerously informed. You really right, don't right, have a clue right, what right, you're thinking right, right, your time. Dangerously yeah. informed enough to to decide if you're going to go. You're like go, a green belt. You kind of right, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. So you're allowed. It, you've paid your dues. You go to the front door, but you really don't have a clue. That's right. But that's kind of where the idea germinated and, and and went from there. It took a little while longer to figure out the regulatory hoops and what our business is going to look like and how we're going to operationally execute on this and all those other things. But that's kind of where it, where it started. But the the day of didn't exist. Wow, um, that's super inspiring. Yeah, the the fact that. 
you know, because a lot of times you hear people are like, oh, yeah, I was doing this job and dead end and blah, 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 whatever that story kind of is of that life that they had. Then it was like, and then this thing happened, that lightning bolt showed up, and I was just like, yeah, I'm inspired, I'm going to go do that thing. But you were just like, no, I'm like miserable over here, and I'm done with that, and I'm going to create something, and you didn't even know what it was. That, to me, is inspiring for some reason, because it was like empty there's nothing you just created something literally from nothing you know what what i knew is i had to change right. I, I knew that at my my psychology inside my head the way that i was conducting myself through the day the way i was parenting these little girls the way our relationship was i like that's more important and it had to change right. like, I, like i had to change like there was no there was no b this is this is perfect um and we could talk for for so much longer because there's so much i want to share but we definitely gonna have you come back uh there is something we all know we need to change we know it and if you were to look and this is for everybody listening if you were to look it's like right there you might not have seen it for a while you might not think it's there and it's looking right at you. And that thing is what you need to change. The real question is, are you willing to do what it takes to change that? Or are you gonna be okay inside a status quo and just keep doing the same thing? Nothing wrong with that, but man, life is, you are missing life if you don't take on that thing that you know you need to change. So what is that thing? What, what is that thing that you need to change? And just fucking change it. And, and on top of that, get make sure, like have the people around you like go public. You know? Go public. Go public. Absolutely. Go public Hands with your, your your partner, your wife, your husband, your, Don't take your it best all friend, your mom, dad, whatever. Go public because that puts the pressure on you to change, right? And, well, and, and, and that actually gives it's, other it's people uh, uh, excitement and reason, uh, relatedness. Like I. I got to contribute to you driving for your change in your life. And at the core, that is what we want. We want to be a part of something. We want to know that what we did um, had purpose and and there was a positive impact that it made. And it all comes out of taking that thing on that you know you need to change and hands down getting the people around you involved and, and aware of what that is. And just to add to that, because there's probably a lot of people going, yeah, but my thing is really scary. Totally. And what I can promise you is that whatever speculation that you're creating about how people are going to react or how things are going to go, you're wrong because you're not a psychic. Uh, they're probably going to support you or or at least I- I'm guaranteeing that whatever you think people are going to say is not, actually it's what, not it is. what they're going to say. So just take it on and see what happens. Yeah. Amen. You'd also be surprised how many of them are probably thinking the same thing. Totally. That's and might actually thing. do it with you. Totally. Right? Anything's possible. So so that's episode 46. Thanks, Mike, for coming out and, and shooting the shit with us. I knew we were going to hit like well over time with this guy. Totally. Constantly and talking. Just so that, uh, <laughs> it's kinda, right? It's me that, you know. Um, your stuff is great. Summer Love, all the stuff is great. My favorite happens to be the Raspberry, which is the original. My favorite as well. Where uh, I know where I get it from. I live in, I, I get it from a, a liquor store in my neighborhood. Where can people get Summer Love, uh, the line? Where's the best place to go? 
Probably depends where they live. Uh, but you're in you're in most of the co-ops, though, right? We're we're in all the co-ops here in, in Calgary. We uh, are in a handful of uh, quite a few Sobies around the, the the community. We're in the wonderful independents like Willow Park, uh, Kensington Wine Market, the Crowfoot Main Store out in the northwest. Wine and Beyond is a big big format stores in in, in Edmonton, um, and, and there's one here in Calgary. Uh, if you go to the liquorconnect.com site, uh, enter in your postal code, you usually find out what's what's closest. Nice. Or call me. Or call Mike. Okay, <laughs> well, where can they find you on that? We'll, we'll post it as well, but for those listening, what's the website? Summerlove.com. And I think right on there, there's actually uh, my, my IT geniuses have a thing. Your, your liquor like, finder. Yeah, I think you can go right on there and yep. find them pretty easily. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for playing with us this morning. My pleasure. First podcast. Total fun. And and not to be the last. All right. Have a great weekend.